Hi everybody, welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colorist. Today I have a very special guest here who I've harassed and hassled to get on the show because I think she's so amazing. <laughs> I'd like you all to welcome Mary Rector Gable, the founder of BehindTheChair.com. Hi Mary. Hi, how are you? <laughs> great to be here. It's great to have you on here. Thank you for finding the time in your really busy schedule. I wanted to start off by congratulating you because this year is the 20th anniversary of BehindTheChair.com. Um, and with over 1.6 million followers on Instagram, it's a phenomenon. Um, how did it all start? So, um, wow. I mean, what, you know, it was funny because uh, this weekend I was actually, uh, well, actually even going back a couple weeks ago, um, I spent two weeks just by myself um, in the country, at my country house, uh, looking through kind of 20 years of um, and I, I haven't done a great job, unfortunately. It was kind of funny because I thought this might be a couple-year thing, and it turned into a 20-year thing. Right. And so I was looking through, like, you know, 20 years of our, um, um, of our, just our artwork, our creative, like everything that that we've done, and just looking back at even some of the letters and uh, some of the things that were incredibly hard and difficult and frustrating. And it's really interesting um, to think that going back all those years, the message of like what we do today is exactly what it was and what my goal was 20 years ago. So even though we've had to reinvent the company many, many times, um, the goal itself and what the vision and the mission itself has never, it's never wavered from what it was. And at that day, it was really about thinking, um, I was a headhunter, I was a recruiter. Um, I don't know what you guys call it in the UK, but um, I actually worked in this industry for about 13 years and placed over 700 people working with companies like Matrix and Redkin and Bumble and Bumble and Aveda and, and all the big companies that you know. And that's how I knew the relationships and had them with all of these big companies. Um, but when the internet started to come, I just kept thinking that there was a way First of all, I didn't love recruiting. I was very successful in it financially, but I really woke up every single day hating what I was doing. And I always wanted to build something that, you know, when you're a headhunter on January 1st, no matter how much money you make the year before, you start back at zero again and you've got to build it all over again because you make a commission from placing people. And I, I just... I felt like at that time, um, I just really wanted to build a brand. I wanted to build something that on January 1st every year would, would mean something. It would have some sort of a, and I was sort of a closet marketer my whole life. I just didn't know that, but I really was. So I thought that the internet would be this amazing way that hairdressers could be outside of their four walls of their own salon and that we could really bring the world of hairdressing to the hairdressers of the world, like literally being able to bring trends much more quickly, being able to, you know, motivate them to educate educate them, to inspire them, um, to give them a place where they could go and feel like they were part of something bigger than just the salon that they were at or that small town that they were at. The other thing that was uh, very real for me as well is having grown up uh, very poor in a small town and really a nobody, certainly, and I still say I'm a nobody. I'm not anybody that thinks that they're anybody, um, you know, needs to kind of get on the humble track. I think it's really important to keep yourself humble, isn't it? Even I, when you've I think, built something so successful. You know, I say it all the time is, uh, you know, that the day that you think that you've made it, um, you know, and you think you've read it, you know, you've made it to the top, um, you know, is the day that you're going to fall because there's nowhere to go but down. And I think that that's what made Vidal, um, you know, it was his birthday a few days ago. It's what made him so amazing is perfectionists are always humble for the most part because they never think 
that they've made it. You know, there's always another mountain to climb. There's always another peak when you've right, you know, you've gone to the top of this mountain and in some, you know, then you see shit, there's another peak I've got to go to. It's not, I'm not really at the top yet. Well, it's very true. And success is relative, isn't it? To every individual. So you could be anywhere and think that you've done something great and want to improve on that. It doesn't mean to say that you need to be a multimillionaire or you need to be world famous. It's a success is very personal. Well, one of the things I think is, is interesting about, um, about what you're saying, I think is when I was younger, I thought that everybody, you know, to be successful, you had to make a lot of money. You had to, you know, work 24 hours a day, which I did. And I think as you get older, you begin to realize that, and I've said this on stage many, many times, it's like part of, if you asked any of the 35 uh, people that work at behind the chair, they would tell you that our motto is good is the enemy of great. And they learn that from the day that they're here. But good is the enemy of great doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be great here. It just means to live your life with greatness. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're in your small town, be the best updo artist in your town. Be the best at whatever it is. Like live your life with greatness and no matter what it is that you do, because good is good, but great is great. And I think, you know, no matter what we do, we always, whatever that that decision is and how we want to live our life, we have, we should be trying to do it with greatness. And that's what makes life so I think valuable is to know that we're continuing to push ourselves every single day. Somebody was saying the other day, I'm always like, if you know, if you, if you're not, I think one of my last Instagram posts is playing it safe is the riskiest thing you can do. I saw that. And that really resonated because of course there's a comfort and a in safeness that, that you don't find when you take a risk, but the risk is always rewarding. Even if it's a failure because you learn from your failures Well, and I think, you know, I remember somebody saying to me 25 years ago, and I didn't listen to it at the time because I was so angry about a situation that had happened. Just another one of those, you know, somebody trying to put me out of business, somebody just not being, you know, honorable. And she said, you know, life, life happens. It doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. And I I believe that that every lesson that we learn is a lesson and it's a positive lesson and the, the the most negative situations that happen sometimes are the most learning, Yes, you know, they're the greatest lessons of of learning for us. So if we can sort of get out of the personal side of, of, you know, feeling bad that somebody did something bad to us and just, you know, embrace the lesson in it, you know, this is the, not the kind of person I want to be. This is not the kind of boss I want to be. So someday when I'm a boss, I'm going to be different than that person, you know, or the way that that person treated me. So I think that there are lessons in every situation that we have. And certainly over the last 20 years, there's been a a lot of positive lessons and a lot of negative ones. And part of this year for me is kind of also going to be, we're just about to actually announce our tour, which makes this day really busy because we're about to announce our world tour this year. World as in we're going to Canada and London. You're coming back to London. We are, and you're the first one to hear it. We're coming back in April. So, That's amazing. Yeah, we're back in April, and um, and part of uh, part of this tour for me, or part of this year for me, is to also go back and thank, you know, every person or all the people that I can remember that have had an impact on my career, and people that nobody has ever heard of that will be, you know, um, that will you know, experience a level of appreciation by me, just we're calling it Mary Poppins, like Mary's going to pop in. So different places um, and different kinds of ways that I want to show my appreciation, especially to people, hairdressers who were have been a part of behind the chair from the very beginning, or, you know, those people that just are on your Instagram every single day, just 
is saying, it's funny how people show up on your Instagram. People think that, you know, oh, you're powerful and you're all of this, but it's amazing when people show up on your Instagram all the time and they tell you something really kind um, at a time when you're really low, you know, and you're overwhelmed, you're overworked. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's so, this will be sort of a thank you year for me to go back and say thank you to all the people um, who have taught me lots of lessons over the years, especially of all the entrepreneurs that started this industry, like Paula Meehan and Arnie Miller that started Redkin and Matrix and Horst to Aveda. I had the opportunity to work with all of them. So it was a great, great opportunity. So 20 years ago, you started out this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on then because there's so much to talk about now. now but yeah. I always find it's absolutely hysterical when I hear you say that everyone mm-hmm. said a hairdresser will not go online. No. And here we are today living on our phones virtually. You know, um, and, and actually saying a hairdresser will never be smart enough to go online. And that was yes. one of the industry presidents of a major distributorship at that time that specifically, it was so crazy because when I started behind the chair all those years ago, it was when the internet was first really starting and like, you know, companies, all these companies were coming out of nowhere. And I started in the first year, I was like this weird hero, like, oh, look at her, man. She's like, and then when the whole industry collapsed in 2000, like literally in one year, with 2001, we were one year, one literally one at the time. And all of a sudden, when the big collapse happened, everybody would laugh at me. I would literally walk into rooms and people would turn the other way Mm. and people would laugh and they would make fun of me. Somebody, you know, I mean, the unbelievable amount of, um, I mean, one time eight people brought me into a room, eight men brought me into a room. And, uh, and I thought they wanted to collaborate. It was a lot of the leaders of the industry. And I sat on one side and they sat on the other. And they basically told me that I needed to shut behind the chair down because it wasn't my right um, to launch a community, that it was their responsibility to do it. And who was I to think that I could come in as this nobody and, and create something? And um, it, it's it, at the time, you know, and they they it was funny because they would literally say that a hairdresser will never be smart enough to turn on a computer. You're going to lose all your money and what a joke you are to the industry. Mm. And um, it's funny how all of a sudden those people come back years later and then ask for your help. They seem to forget um, about the way that they treated you, you know, early on. But now today, as we look at it, I think, you know, we did spend millions of dollars getting hairdressers online. I mean, we truly did most hairdressers. And it's true. I mean, if you go look back at it, Literally 10% of hairdressers at that time, 20 years ago, had a computer, like much less an email address, et cetera. I didn't buy my first laptop till I think uh, 2000, 2001. And I was yes. never sort of savvy with a keyboard or anything because yes. I'd never done sort of office work. So I didn't really understand any of it. I was always yeah. more of the creative but I couldn't live yes. without it now. Absolutely. I mean, it's part well, of everyone's life. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you look at what really happened, I mean, over the years, it was all about communicating via email. So for me, I've always been, I always think about 
how you can build something um, that has a larger reach than just yourself, right? So if I'm interacting with you right now, obviously your podcast is going to go out to a lot of people. They're going to be able to learn from it, etc. That was the idea behind the chair going back all those years. As we could build email addresses, we would be able to communicate with hairdressers, and that's what it was all about then. Yes. As you move forward, this industry was really, um, and, and we, at that time, we, I mean, we have over 2 million uh, members from around the world. I'm sure we have more than that now. Um, and on our website, we get over a million hairdressers coming to it every single month still, even though they said death of the website, that's not the case for us. Um, and, and what's interesting is, you know, we went from think about it educationally too. So we went from email addresses, communicating, that's how we would communicate Facebook. Like we launched 10 years before Facebook ever existed. So think about that. Hairdressers are coming out of beauty school right now that were not alive when I launched this company 20 years ago. <laughs> so, I think there's a lot of us in this industry when the youngsters come out of school and you're like, oh, my God, you know, I mean, 2000. Yeah, times change. And I think, you know, one of the things that has been really important for me is I've always tried to stay ahead of um, of what was happening and taking a lot of disparate data about different things and being able to, you know, bring that all together. Um, uh, and, you know, our industry in the U.S., you guys are, um, you guys are re- really beginning to experience a lot of what we have already experienced in the U.S. with the growth of Facebook and then Instagram. Instagram is really was the game changer, though. If we really look at what the major game changer has been for the entire industry, the last two years has seen more change in the last two years and more opportunity, frankly, than the last 20 years put together. This is what I really wanted uh, to kind of get into with you, the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. So I always consider that behind the chair changed, leveled the playing field. There was there was always a time in my career that I would either be dismissed for being super commercial um, because that's what I am, very successfully commercial, but it would be, oh, that's just commercial work. Or you would see that the sort of the avant-garde and the asymmetric mm-hmm. fringes and the green bits and all of that somehow... Yeah, the stuff that nobody's ever going to wear. Nobody ever wears, yeah. but it's seen as artistry. And there's been right, this absolutely. flattening of it. And I think you're very responsible for a lot of that, you and your team, in a great way, thank I think. You. Yeah, thank you. But you must have had a lot of detractors on that so okay so yes so if I go back even 18 17 16 years ago when sweet rental you know we so so I just want to be clear about something behind the chair believes that no matter who you are what level of hairdresser you are whether you're making minimum wage you know barely getting by or whether you are you know you're making six figures or millions of dollars a year whatever it is that you're doing that everyone deserves our attention Everyone. Yes. And one of the things that um, that we and, and everyone deserves a level of education from us as well. And I think that what happened is um, several years ago, I started thinking about, you know, it seems like in all of the competitions around the world that, you know, a hairdresser that's doing real hair behind the chair never gets celebrated. I mean, and that was one of the key reasons. Well, it was the key reason why we actually launched One Shot Hair Awards um, five years ago is because, you know, Hairdressers that are doing beautiful work 
Um, it's amazing. Like, first of all, all hairdressers are doing beautiful work. So anybody that's doing, um, work that's in the studio that is shooting for collections, they have extra dollars laying around or well, you know, a shoot, a, a basic shoot costs 10,000 pounds. Exactly. Easily. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and people don't have access to that kind of money. No. And I think, and I want to go back and just think about why Instagram happened or why YouTube happened or why the hairdressers that had been on stages for 20 years, you know, doing that avant-garde work, um, why all of a sudden uh, we started to see this uprising, if you will, because it really was in commercial hair. And it happened a lot around the time that, you know, um, Vogue used to always have models on the covers of their magazines. At one point, Anna Wintour realized that celebrities were more important than models. And she made a very difficult and very controversial decision to start putting celebrities on covers of magazines. When celebrities started to be on covers of magazines... And, and all of a sudden their hair was often different on that cover. The second that that would happen, you would have a hairdresser on YouTube because it was really about YouTube at that time. All of a sudden saying within 48 hours, I'm going to take that haircut that Britney Spears at the time, you know, may have done. And maybe she did an undercut. And I'm going to show you how to do that haircut 48 hours after it happened. And they would get hundreds of thousands of views in a really, mm. really small window of time. And what happened was, is that instead of the the hairdressers and the manufacturers focusing on the trends that were actually happening in celebrity, they were instead putting their own trends out and then teaching all the hairdressers around the world their own trends. And those trends were led by selling products, not by what the consumer wanted. Exactly. And they were also led by a group of, you know, brilliant hairdressers who were very artistic, but weren't paying attention to what the trends were that were actually driving commercial haircuts in the salon. Yes. A massive disconnect between the reality. Exactly. Yeah. And the fantasy. At the same time, hairdressers were on stages, continuing to be on main stages. And as the internet was getting bigger and bigger, all of a sudden it didn't require you to go watch a main stage to learn how to do avant-garde work. Instead, you could be watching haircuts online to teach you how to do commercial work. So all of the stages started to diminish in terms of the number of people that were going. And if you were going to teach a haircut that nobody's ever going to wear in the salon, all of a sudden, they're wondering why nobody was on, you know, nobody was coming to main stage. And so I've often said, and I said it at the British Fellowship when Errol invited me to come, he said, I want you to shake things up. And I said oh, that, Oh, you shook things up that day, Mary. I, I was sat in the audience. Know, I was one of the few people clapping. I thought it was fantastic what you said. You know, and I mean, I've been in those situations before and I'm not afraid. I mean, I'm not afraid because I really believe, I told hairdressers in America that, you know, if you don't get on Instagram soon, you've got four or five years and now you've got two years left and now you've got one year left. And if you don't get with, you know, and everybody would say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to take pictures. I don't have time to do this. And I said, if you don't get with this, you have the potential of becoming truly obsolete. And they would say obsolete and yell at me and I would write it in the magazine. And, you know, and there are some hairdressers that embraced Instagram and many who have not. And I think that, um, you know, I don't say controversial things because I'm trying to be controversial. I'm saying controversial things because I truly believe in my heart that that's what's going to help people. It's identifying trends that are happening, even not hair trends, but the trends that have the potential of either giving you that opportunity or pulling it apart. And what Instagram did is a lot like what happened in the music business, right? It democratized hairdressing. And so what happened is, is on stage, 
you know, you were trying to, the hairdressers that were on stage were trying to impress the one that got off the stage before them are going to get on the stage after them instead of trying to build a bridge with the people sitting in front of them. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that if all you try to do is elevate yourself above the person sitting in front of you, you'll never make the connection with them. They'll walk away feeling sad because they can't cut that five-point haircut. They're not capable of doing it. So they're going to feel like they're never going to have a chance to make it, and they're going to walk away feeling bad. And I, my feeling is... They might not be capable, Mary, but they might just not want to do a five-point haircut. It might not be exactly. their market. Well, and I also think, I think that if you can build a bridge with them to teach them something that they can do, they'll also have the confidence to try something that they can't. Yes. And I think what I also said at the fellowship is that we're teaching, you know, we're doing videos at the time and DVDs at the time, teaching art, not teaching trends. And as you look at Sassoon, who is, you know, brilliant in everything that they do from a technical cutting perspective, and then you put out videos and DVDs and so forth around that, that technical cutting, but not necessarily cutting as we, you know, as the English call them strong haircuts. Well, the problem is, is that if you're not teaching them a, a haircut that is going to help them in the salon the next day, you have the potential of watching your business, you know, move away because there are a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of different places, right? And I think that that's what ended up happening. That's why YouTube, that's why Facebook, that's why Instagram took off because commercial hair and teaching people how to do commercial hair started to compete with, you know, the only other education that they had, which was trend-based, but it really wasn't. It really was not focusing on the trends that were actually happening in celebrity, which everyone was walking in with a Jennifer Aniston picture, you yes. know, of... And then Kim Kardashian color, and I want you to make me look like this, and I want this undercut because this celebrity just did it, and now I want these. And everybody I know in the UK and everywhere else, you know, makes fun of, um, you know, of um, beach waves. Well, beach waves have made more money for educators and yes. um, more more, you know, consumers in America have looked for that, that lob and that beach wave than any other time that you can possibly imagine. And from my own experience, I've been doing balayage for over 20 years. But I mean, that's exactly. super dismissed all the time, because it's just slapping on a bit of bleach. But of course, it's not. It's a skill set. It's a commercial skill set. And it's changed over the decades of the applications. I'll tell you, it's interesting because I remember talking to, um, you know, L'Oreal and, um, and L'Oreal at the time, and they're, they're president of the of LP in the United States saying, you know, you guys started this, like you guys should own it. But that's when this was like maybe six or seven years ago when it was really starting to explode in the U S market. Mm. And they were doing it a certain way. There were only four or five people in the United States that were, doing, you know, um, true balayage. Like well, in a Nancy sense, Braun and we, I were the only ones that did it at one point, yeah. Nancy Braun, and yeah. I was just, exactly, Nancy Braun was, you know, absolutely the most well-known balayager in the yes. U.S., and what happened is, as you know very well, is that balayage exploded in the U.S. market. It was interesting because at one point we did a study that said that 98% of hairdressers didn't know how to do it. 96% of them wanted to learn. And yes. you talk about, you know, a perfect storm at that time. And that's actually what ended up happening. Balayage by far and creative hair color were the two number one uh, categories that exploded and updos exploded in the U.S. market on Instagram. And so, 
Instagram became the democratization of hair, much like music was all those years ago, is in in the world over the last 20 years prior to Instagram, you know, it required a manufacturer to touch you on the shoulder. You know, let's say um, it was a major, you know, you had a thousand hairdressers that worked for one manufacturer. And then you'd get tapped on the shoulder to then become a full-time educator with a hundred. And then you get tapped to be a regional educator. Yes. And then you get tapped. The thing that happened, and then by the time you got on stage, you'd been tapped multiple times, but you still had to be tapped by someone to get there. Yes, and you know? this doesn't happen anymore. The product companies are coming to Instagram successful people. And, and, and I want to talk to you about that in a minute. But the product companies are coming to successful Instagrammers and also they're merging with strong educators. And there's this lovely synergy of the two together now um, because not yes. all Instagram successful people are great educators. A thousand percent. And not all great educators are great Instagrammers. So it's sort of this merging of them, which is quite interesting. It's sort of the next level, really, in many ways. So we so we experienced the pain of that in the United States when Instagrammers were beginning. And as you, as you probably know, we launched an influencer program two years ago because we knew all the influencers and we had our One Shot Hair Awards and we knew all the manufacturers and had been working with them for, you know, 15 years, 18 yes. years. So we said, what a great opportunity to build an influencer program and bring the two together. And so since then, it's our second, we just finished our second year. And, um, you know, we've now, uh, we've now provided over $1.8 million um, to influencers. We've paid them $1.8 million over the last two years. That oh, my God, I want to paid. be an influencer for you. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, and helped build some of the biggest campaigns ever and launch some of the biggest brands, you know, in the U.S. market and by being able to put the right influencers with the right manufacturers. Yeah. And, and the thing, though, was is that when we started this, the pain of this two years ago when educators were so angry that influencers were starting to be on stage, that educators or, the, you know, platform artists of 20 years we're watching influencers now be on stage for the first time we went through the denial you know we went through the the artists went through the denial phase the anger phase mm -hmm. then the reality phase and what ended up happening is those educators that were on these stages for all those years began to realize that instagrammers had the ability to teach them something and what they didn't know is that the instagrammers you know, became, they, they started doing this because they wanted to be those people. Yes. But these, the Instagrammers had the chance to now teach the educators how to build their Instagram and the educators and platform artists had a chance to teach these um, Instagrammers how to do proper education. And that's what happened to me. Instagrammers showed me and taught me what I could do better with my Instagram yes. account and my education's always been commercial, so I could relate to them in the commerciality of it, but I just had to be around them and see. And it was, for me, it was a beautiful experience. It was great. It was very positive. I never felt diminished or anything or threatened by it, which was cool. But I can definitely see that there was a, a period where it was like, whoa, really scary. What's going on? Yeah, it was scary. On? It still is. I think it is still scary um, because we have seen some of the icons of the industry in the U.S. are not on stages anymore. And it's all happened literally in, in 24 months, in two years. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it is sad and it is scary. Um, but we've also, you know, the thing is, is that that these hairdressers that are Instagrammers, you know, they're, they're, they, you know, nobody had, nobody tapped them on the shoulder. No. The thing that's so amazing is there's so much greatness that's out there that never got a chance. And I think what Instagram does is it gives 
um, hairdressers a chance to create their own success yeah. where they didn't have that chance. And that was exactly what happened in the music business. It gives them a bigger voice, doesn't it? It gives every hairdresser who's working behind the chair, whether it's color or cutting, it gives you a voice if you want it. And if you don't want it, that's okay too, I suppose, really, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it's a, it's a free opportunity to tell the world or tell your community what you do in your salon, which is a, I think is a, a great thing. For hairdressers that say, so Matrix asked me to come and do a keynote. So actually they're having their Matrix destination this weekend. And, um, and I uh, keynoted an open Matrix destination two years ago. And they wanted me to do exactly the same thing I did at the British Fellowship and sort of shake up their community of 3,000 hairdressers yeah. that, were, that were at the event. Because Matrix's hairdresser is traditionally a little bit older, a little bit more um, uh, rural in some cases. At that time, I think they're, you know, they're really elevating in all kinds of areas now. And my job was to remind them that change is inevitable and that there's such huge opportunity available. And I remember a woman walking up to me afterwards, you know, telling me, um, sort of how inappropriate it was because she didn't have time to take pictures and she's the most successful, you know, stylist in, in her community. And I said, well, you know, that's great, but don't assume that that's going to, that's going to continue. And I think that, um, you know, everybody is going to be affected by this, whether you're a salon owner that has stylists in your salon that are doing Instagram and you're not, they're not going to have a reason to stay mm. if you don't if you don't support that if you don't figure out a reason um, why you should be doing Instagram yourself um, and trying to figure out how to do that. It's one of the reasons why our tour this year will have a lot of um, support uh, from an Instagram perspective to make sure that we're never in a position where people feel like they're not getting the knowledge and the information, but we're, we're struggling. The reason why sweet renters can go and become sweet renters in this industry is certainly in the U S market right now. I don't think you guys are experiencing it as much is it was a perfect storm of Instagram millennials and sweet rental beginning to get bigger and bigger. Yes. So those hairdressers, if they had 20,000 followers, especially balayagers, they could leave their salon and make their own money and make more money Yes, um, being a sweet renter. And all of a sudden the salon owners are going, what the hell is happening? Like, wh I, I don't, I, what is this Instagram thing? The other really big disconnect that's happened is salon owners who, you know, who continue to try to bring in hairdressers that have been on stage for 20 years or even just an in-salon hairdresser. And they're wondering, or educator, I should say, and they're wondering why nobody's showing up for their education, mm. saying hairdressers don't want to be educated. Millennials don't, you know, they don't want to be educated. They do, Completely but they want, they want something they want that's it. relevant. Exactly. And they want that, that Instagram hairdresser to walk in and then yeah. you'll, you know, it'll be full. Your whole salon will be full. So there's a disconnect, unfortunately, going on with salon owners and their stylists that are Instagrammers and millennials for sure. It's really funny because this is my 10th year back in London. And initially it was really hard work here. And I remember I was freelancing out of a salon and this hairdresser said, well, I don't do that, what you do, because I'm a Knightsbridge hairdresser. And I'm like, you're going to end up being an old lady's hairdresser unless you learn something fresh and relative. And of course, nobody was doing balayage 10 years ago in the UK or talking about it. And it was the perfect storm for me. It was like that USP that I could just launch. But it always makes me giggle because I think that you should never just sit on your laurels. And you should 
if you're even if you're successful, there's always somebody biting at your heel. There's always something new around the corner. You should be aware of what's going on. So let me just give you this thought. So when I when we came to London, I was terrified. My whole staff knows that that was the most terrified opening I've actually ever done before because I'm about to put a cutting team on stage in the best cutting stage in the world and the majority of them are American. Um, and I'm about to put all these Americans on stage in London, the home of hairdressing. Mm. So how do you try to explain to a UK, although we had, I think, 18 or 19 countries there, how do you try to explain to um, a UK hairdressing audience that traditionally folds their arms and sits back and says, okay, yeah, what are you going to teach me? And especially from America. And I thought a lot about how I wanted to open the show. And because there were so many new techniques that the UK had not seen before coming out of America. And yes, we were going to show, you know, using a Marcel iron and those beach waves that everybody wants in the US. And so we were going to show that. So I thought about how I wanted to open. And I said this, you know, Mr. Vidal Sassoon was the innovator and he was laughed at. He was joked about. He was written badly about in the press when he first started to cut hair instead of starting to set it. Mm. And I said, if you think back to Vidal, Vidal was laughed at in the press. Nobody believed in Vidal when he first started. In fact, had an entire walkout other than Annie Humphreys. So when I opened the show, I said, please think today about the innovator who was laughed at that is now the father of hairdressing is the most important. As you're seeing something new, embrace new. Because... He would have. He would have continued to embrace new if Vidal was still alive today. And I think some of the things that even Sassoon is known for, like the classics, but I think Vidal would continue to embrace innovation. And that's what I wanted everybody to hear was a story about the greatest innovator of all time um, that so many people, you know, try to protect what he believed in. But what he believed in was change, not in staying the same. Yes. And so that was important to me. I've got a number of questions that I want to ask you. They're all about Instagram, of course, because you are the queen. What does a good profile on Instagram look like to you? Okay, and this is this is so easy and people make it so hard. First of all, I can't tell you how many profiles I've seen that actually don't have the city and state that you live in or any contact information. So put that's your city insane. and state on your biography. Uh, yeah, because we're going to anybody that's going to repost you or anyone that sees your sees that beautiful picture that you just did has no idea where you live. Right. So it's really really important that you can't cut hair through the Instagram. So, you know, through through digital. So, you need to put your city and state. Um, also the other thing is that your profile ha- name is searchable. So it's really important that if your specialty is balayage, if it's braids, if it's whatever, make sure that while your name is there, but it would say balayage specialist or braid specialist or updo specialist or whatever it is that your specialization, because that actually is searchable. So balayage specialist, Los Angeles, like whatever it is, your name is not as important in there. What's actually most important is what's searchable. So I think that's really important. And then again, you know, any awards that you might have, like those are nice, but what's really most important is getting that basic information in there. And then so now from a profile perspective, the one of the things that's most important, well, it is the most important is we always say, find a lane and then stay in it. So if your lane is balayage, then, and it also depends on what it is that you want. If you want new clients and your lane is balayage, you're going to show lots of beautiful balayage images. And one of the things that we always say is they say, well, what's a beautiful image look like? 
um, guess what? Whomever you might be following that is, you know, that impresses you, um, guess what? We call this thing R&D, which we don't, we, it's a joke, but what's R&D? It's rip off and duplicate. And we don't say rip off and duplicate in your business strategies and so forth. But what we do say is look at how that person is profiled. Look at how much their hair is opened. Look at exactly like literally take that whole image and break down every single part of the image. When are they posting? Uh, how often are they posting? What kinds of hair are they posting? Look at all the people that you respect and then take your own lane in it. So like one of the things that's really hot right now is reds. There are almost no reds that are out there that are just red pages. Yes. And I still keep finding like, where are the reds, you know? So one of the things that the way that people that you become the biggest expert in a space is by taking a lane and staying in it. So people say, well, I do this really beautiful creative hair color. And I'm like, I don't care. There's a great saying, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you did do that and you can post that doesn't mean you should post that. Don't ever put creative hair color of lots of bright colors and rainbow into a space that's supposed to just be balayage. You said something really interesting when we were on stage together in London because you said that vivids are only 6% of the market. Yeah. And so it's like you're only going to attract a certain amount of people to that, yet hairdressers inherently are drawn I mean I'm drawn to a, a vivid because it just pulls you in doesn't it but it doesn't speak to my audience and yeah and <clears throat> I'll give you that specific um, example of that and it's sort of my elevator pitch for CEOs whenever I'm meeting a new one for, for example is I'll always say you know um, um, don't be seduced by the wrong data so just because on Instagram first of all Instagram creative hair color was probably the number one space um, that became big the fastest. Yes. So the reason why there were so many um, so many likes on all the creative color images is because that category was started out first on Instagram. It became biggest first. So we would say if you had 10,000 likes on a creative color image on Behind the Chairs Instagram and 10,000 balayage, we would, our editors would grab both of them, go get the color formula, learn how they did it, get the how-to, and then we put it on Facebook. And Facebook allows you to click over to the article, right? So what we learned is that literally on a good day when it was raining on a Monday and all hairdressers were off, only 500 people on a good day would click to learn that how-to or that color formula for creative hair color. But 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, as many as 100,000 people have clicked on a balayage yes. how-to. And every single day, it's going to be 20 or 30 to 1 of the people that will click on creative hair color. Now, why is that? Well, because... Almost nobody has the creative color client. So yes. while a hairdresser says this is pretty and you click on it doesn't mean that it that you are ever going to learn how to do it. And that's why it's like don't be seduced by the wrong data. Those those hairdressers often, and again, remember, that takes eight hours to do that hair color. Yes. You've got one client a day. One client for and eight that's hours if you're to get even it. Lucky. Absolutely. You're not going to make no. any money, are you? What no. do you think, Mary, are the most common mistakes that people make with their Instagram accounts? So we've got... We, we know that their bios, they get their bios, people get their bios wrong. And I see that quite often. And you've also pointed out the fact of the whole pick your lane and stay in it. What yes. do you think are the other kind of key things that people can address really easily on their feeds? 
So hashtags are a great example of people not placing hashtags on their pictures or proper hashtags. So if you're doing balayage images, get your hashtags on there, whether it's balayage, you know, um, or where you're located. So anybody that sees that picture as well, you know, has that hashtag of London, balayage, you know, hashtag London, hashtag balayage, et cetera. Um, the, you know, the other thing is, um, is make sure that you're tagging all of, you know, behind the chair, make sure that you're tagging, um, the way that you can get, um, posted the fastest, I think of any way. And this is a great tip is find new manufacturer products that just launched because every single manufacturer that launches new product is looking for content Contents. because they don't have it. Yes. So you actually hashtag the, the name of the product, or let's say that somebody's coming out with a new range of shades, then you hashtag that shade. And I can promise you, if that's a great, if that's a great image, it's going to get posted on that manufacturer because they're looking for that. So it's not just tagging the brand, but it's actually tagging that particular product. Yes. And I think so hashtags are super, super important. Um, I think um, um, mixing up your personal life, you know, I see that still quite a lot in other countries where you have too much of your personal life and a little bit of hair, personal life, hair, leave your personal life for your Insta stories, yes. but don't put your personal life in. You have to get big enough Make people impressed by the hair work that you're doing because otherwise they don't care about your personal life. Yeah. I mean, it's really true. I try to, be- to keep my personal life really personal. I mean, I think that yeah. I don't think people really are interested in my personal life. But I mean, I show a little bit of cooking on my stories. I, you know, I, yes. I did my detox. I do that on my story. So there is a little bit of me on there. But, but on your stories, though, I think it's vitally important because so many Instagram pictures look the same now that if you can develop that, um, those beautiful pictures, now they want to know who you are. Yeah. But you do that on your story. Yes. You do that on your stories. You don't do that on your, on your, this beautiful feed feed that you're doing. And the other thing is, is if you want to be an educator, you're going to have to do videos. You know, you've got to do videos. Um, if you want to grow your, your following fastest, you've got to do videos. Yes. So videos Um, really, really work. Don't they? I've found videos. Yes. And, and, and definitely IGTV also, um, continues to be bigger and bigger because, um, Instagram wants you to use IGTV. And so they're giving more, they're giving um, a lot more reach to anybody that's using IGTV and same with stories yeah. um, than they are to people that aren't using it. My IGTV was your number one for 2019. Oh, my, my I didn't know that. One. Yeah. Oh my God, congratulations. Yeah, so that was I did cool. not know that. Yeah. Now, what makes a good Instagram picture? What makes a good Instagram story? Well, that's a tough one. So, um... What makes a great picture? Um, <laughs> um, I think the big lighting is so vitally important. Um, mm. I think making, I know this is going to sound, you know, if you have an, as Kevin would say, an unfortunate looking client, um, you, you, you definitely use her from the side, you know, so a couple of key things that we've been seeing. So side pictures with the ear, you know, with the hair, push behind um, the ear, like, and um, the side, you know, the side profile view with a little bit of hair peeking out on the other side. Those always explode if the hair is done nicely. And of course the, um, you know, the, um, uh, the lighting is good and, and, and there's a lot of openness in the hair. 
uh, it's that's Jack. I don't even know how to answer that question. I mean, what makes a great Instagram picture is great hair. I mean, it, it just is. It's paying attention to what's working and what's not. If I were to say what's really working, again, um, beautiful balayage images are working. A lot of dimension in hair yes. is a lot stronger than lack of dimension in hair. Um, I think that uh, not overdoing it on makeup, like in, in our one-shot hair awards, that's where often people go wrong is they put this blue lipstick on a beautiful, you know, and I'm just like, just, you know, again, just because you can't, it it does. Um, you know, uh, we always talk about, you know, um, trying to make sure that you're not putting light colored hair on a light colored background or light colored, um, clothing. So So if you're doing light contrast between the hair, you have to build contrast exactly and also that the that the wardrobe doesn't take away from it that you don't have a lot of patterns on your wardrobe you just want it to be clean and simple and for anybody that's out there you know just get a couple of black turtlenecks you know model off duty you know different sizes into um your salon a couple of black you know uh, leather jackets uh black jean jackets or regular jean jackets whatever it is some white shirts some white sweaters whatever because you want that contrast and you know and then make sure that you're taking pictures on the contrasting background that's a cool tip there yeah it's like literally you could take you could take um you know um paper that you get i mean literally you can do a, a a two foot by two foot piece of black paper behind or white literally that's all it requires and um and do blonde hair on that black or brown background another thing is sometimes people are using backgrounds where we begin to know who they are just from the background and i think that's really cool too yeah so they've branded their background basically yes they they? branded their background you have to be really careful that it doesn't overwhelm your hair though i think um so i think and then what makes a great story is um is that's what begins to define you as a person. And I think what makes a great story really is, um, is, is, and I really think stories more and more. Yes, for sure. It's about making sure that you're posting whatever you just posted. No question, because so many people see your stories and don't see your posts. You definitely will grab them and send them back to your posts. But I also think what makes a great story is that's where they're starting to get to know you. Yes. And I think, you know, giving tips, showing your face, you know, being happy, being smiling, like, um, giving great tips that everyone needs to know. I think that's what makes you a really great um, Instagrammer. And I think that you did such an amazing job on stage um, that there was a part of me that's like, wow, look at this guy's Instagram is that strong, but his educating on stage is really incredible. And I think because you've embraced, I think the reason why you're growing so much is you've embraced balayage and you've embraced um, uh, commercial hair in such a way. And yet you educate as a proper, like a completely strong, one of the best, you know, manufacturers educators who's been trained so to do that you know at the highest level and I think that's why you resonate so beautifully um, with everyone because you're doing commercial hair and you're educating with the level of of any of the best educators in the world and that's going to resonate all day long I mean that's that's the secret to success for sure thank you thank you for that I've got a couple more I don't know how long you've got I wanted to ask you what made a great IGTV because this is where it's going I found that for IGTV, if I'm talking and helping people and talking about what I do, it, it, it does really well, especially the quick salon fixes and, and helping things that works really well for me. I just wondered if you'd really played around with IGT enough to kind of have a feel for it yet or whether you were still on the fence about it. I know that we're being oh, no. pushed that way. 
Yeah, no, not on the fence on that one at all. I think that IGTV, it's sort of like a thank God about IGTV because it allows this community to be able to show more of what they're doing educationally. Yes. And some people say, well, am I showing too much? I'm, I'll never say no, you're showing too much. You know, years ago, people used to say, you know, like, if you show my education or you show X, nobody's ever going to come to my classes. I'm like, because you, oh, really interesting. Because if you got a DVD or you got, you know, DVDs all back then, you know, an album from a band, did that mean that you wouldn't go to their concert? Well, like, that's absurd. I mean, it's 20, I've been, said to I've me, been hearing this. Show it. I've been hearing this for 20 years, yeah. you know, and it's absurd. Not only will they go, they're going to even spend more money at your class because they've gotten this level of education where they just get to know. So you do have to be careful. You can't show everything. But I think, you know, the, here's the thing, right, is every time you're doing education, you're doing it on a client. Yeah. And so... That client is a unique situation every single time. If you think that you're going to learn from an educator and, you know, you're, they're going to give away everything right out of the gate, you know, every client's different. Every situation is different. Every you're doing hair corrective is different. Hair color. Every hair is different. The process yeah. is like everything is different. So I, I believe that the more that you give, the more you're going to get. And the more people are going to come to your classes, the more people are going to want to see you on stage. So I love the fact that IGTV has given us more time to actually show what we're doing. But again, talk, you know, talk in the beginning. You know, one of the things that I don't see enough of is the consultation with the client. Mm. Everyone wants consultation tips and not many people are giving them. That's a great one. They're showing us the how-to, but they're not actually showing us the consultation with the client. And that's always been one of the things that we know gets clicked on um, more than so many other things is consultations. I'm, I'm meeting someone tomorrow to talk about all the things I need to do for my hair hacks. And I'm going to put consultation in there. Thank you for that one, Mary. I think it's an important one because people are afraid of how they talk to their clients and, and why, especially in, you know, I want to meet you before I'm even going to do your hair like that would mm. remember like 10 or 15 years that would have been insane like people just come in they sit down they do their hair so i love the fact that that um hairdressers are spending more time with their clients yeah. consulting about what they want yeah i definitely won't do a new client without a proper consult it's ridiculous to me so btc university with over 2 million subscribers has um it's my understanding about it is that it delivers commercial ideas, commercial education, uh, something that lots of people, lots of product companies still aren't offering. Let's talk a little bit about BTC University. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to ask is when are you going to come on? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> we got to get you over here. Um, BTC University was kind of a natural offshoot from BehindTheChair.com. And one of the key things that we wanted to do with BTCU was to be able to provide um, amazing education at a really affordable price for the, the prices anyone. are affordable aren't they it's sort of 20 dollars 1995 we do them almost at least twice a month almost every other monday and sometimes it's every monday and um and it's from the biggest hairdressers in the world so chris appleton was with yes. us 19 dollars and 95 cents almost everyone that you can imagine has been on btcu and um and it's it's really been 
amazing because we can supply this incredible education. We do it at our BTC house in LA, this beautiful $4 million home that we bought uh, two years ago, actually in West Hollywood. Um, and it was the reason we bought the house was really to just try to help um, create a lot more content that was a lot more commercial content. And um, we also do shoots there every single day. So the house is packed literally five days a week. And every Monday is specifically dedicated to BTC University and supplying really um, again, affordable education. It's a 90-minute presentation every single time, bringing in the biggest and the best from hair coloring and balayage to haircutting. And, you know, some of the best hair cutters have been there as well. And uh, teaching people how to do photographs, like all different kinds of education, business education, et cetera. And um, we get anywhere from on a, on a bad, I, I don't want to say bad day, but from the lowest end, We'll have maybe six or seven hundred people participate at 1995 from about 20 countries. We've had all the way up to almost 4,000 people from, uh, I think it was 70 countries that participated on some of our, um, some of our, uh, webcasts. And I think the thing that's kind of cool about it is, you know, when we sit around it behind the chair and talk about where our greatest growth opportunity is, we know that BTC University is it because around the world, um, there's not as much education out that we'd like to believe. And I think what's amazing about digital is it supplies an opportunity. It is such an amazing um, way that we can all be educated on a worldwide basis. Mm. And what's also been interesting is like we just had uh, Danilo Bozic, who only he doesn't have a ton of followers. And, um, you know, he had one of our biggest, uh, biggest days. And um, it's pretty amazing when somebody wants to learn these new techniques. So for everybody out there saying that balayage is slapping some bleach on the hair, you know, there's foliage, there's balayage, there's, um, there's probably 20 different ways to do balayage. So, yes. you know, if, if you're saying that you think there's only way, one way, then you're the one that's not in the know. You're the yes. one that's way behind because there's fast balayage, there's dimensional balayage, there's, you know, balayage that will make it look sun-kissed like a baby. I mean, there's a million different ways of doing balayage now. And the best balayagers, they're the ones, the ones who continue to teach themselves what everybody else is doing. The ones who are the most successful are still learning and they're still learning everybody's different techniques. If you stop learning, you might as well be dead in this industry. Yeah. But I think in life, if you stop learning, you might as well be dead. That Now, Daniel, didn't he do the air touch? Was he doing the air touch? Yes, he, doing, he did. Yes. He did air touch, which he learned in Russia and yes. now has brought it to the United States. And now he's been doing it um, across the US. And I think the day that people always say all the time, you know, um, behind the chair is so big, you can't be, you know, you can't be found by them. Well, um, Danilo, actually, interestingly, um, I hadn't had my hair colored and I was like, you know, the, I needed to go to New York to go do our tour in New York. And I literally had 48 hours to find somebody that could do my hair in Chicago. And Danilo had 8,000 followers at that time. And I was, I had already seen him been so impressed and I knew he was here in Chicago and I'm like, is there any possible way that you could come to my house and do my hair color in the next 48 hours? So and even Mary from behind the chair needs a home visit occasionally. I did. I did, <laughs> actually. And because I, it's like I travel so much and I forget that I'm like, shit, <clears throat> I haven't been on stage. And I'm like, I'm traveling, traveling, traveling. And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to have my hair color done. He dropped everything, came. Well, he didn't drop everything. He didn't change a client. He came out and he's about an hour and a half away. He came in at eight o'clock after his last client. We started doing my hair at nine. It took until three o'clock in the morning and he had to be back again in the salon at eight thirty the next morning. 
So wow. he came, he did it. I just fell in love with him. Comes from a completely different country, you know, sold everything they had to come here with almost nothing. And, you know, he is such a testament to what hard work and just saying yes is all about. And he knew that was an opportunity. That was back in um, April, I think, of last year, March or April, April of last year. And, you know, today he has 45,000 followers. He, I think yeah. he gained 5,000 followers that day. And, um, and he's so grateful and, um, he works so hard and, um, and it just, you know, it just goes to show you that if you're doing a cool technique, if you're working hard, if you're paying attention, I mean, you can grow really, really quickly still today in Instagram and still be seen by all of us, you know? So I would always say to the people that are, um, and honestly, foliage, uh, we've had some young ladies that have less than, again, I think 20, 30,000 followers that have done foliage at BTC University and also had well over a 1,000 people um, watching uh, their presentations. So BTCU is cool. There's over 150 different classes that you can take um, Yeah, for twenty four ninety five after it's over, and uh, they're yours for life. I mean, yes. you can watch them over and over and over again. And I know that we've been educating people from all over the world, and uh, you know, salon owners use them as education. They bring out, you know, um, mannequins and they actually do it, you know, on Mondays with the different artists that are that are um, on stage with us. Or that's that the, I should that's say. the brilliant thing about online education, though, isn't it? That you can watch it over and over again. And it's yes. not the same as being in a room with somebody. It's a different type of education. And there's room for all of this education. The, I agree a thousand percent. They all drive each other. Yes. And the more you educate online, the more your classes are going to be full, literally from a hands-on perspective. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. And also, I think the interesting thing about um, on tour as well is, you know, like we have classes from, so 1995 that anybody can watch. Like, don't take, you know, don't drink Starbucks for a couple of days a week and you, you can afford it. And then, um, you know, we do our on tours, which are 150 bucks, you know, which you can get from, you know, watch 15 of the best educators in the world. And then you go to our BTC show and it's three and a half days long and you can sit in the front row for a thousand dollars. So yes. we have something for everyone. And then behind the chair.com is free. So yes. there's, there's, there's thousands and thousands of pages. There's 20 years of history there that is still all free to be able to learn from. So, ton, you know, thousands and thousands of formulas, et cetera. So I think anybody that says that, you know, they can't afford education, um, you know, how can you not afford education? I mean, it, there's so much available to you. It's just about figuring out what you need to learn and then finding the people that you think are the best at doing it. And that's one of the things we pride ourselves on is that people – you know, come to our shows. We we sold out the BTC show or sold out Nashville before anybody even knew who was coming. Yes. And that's pretty amazing because well, that speaks we do for work, itself, doesn't it? Well we work really hard to make sure that every person that's on our stage has been vetted by us and that we make sure that, that there's something that's there that um, that the people in the audience really want to learn. Really and so learn. it's been twenty years of, of developing that trust with our audience for sure. How do you, Mary, and your team spot talent? Because oh. you you elevate people 
the, the nature of your brand is so huge that people get this huge lift from you. I've seen it in my own Instagram feed by being on stage with you and everything. But how do you spot talent? What are you looking for? So it depends on what it is, right? So like, first of all, we spot talent through One Shot Hair Awards. Yeah. I, I know that people, yes, I run this, you know, it's turned into a fairly large business and a worldwide business. But what's really interesting is for when One Shot Hair Awards comes around and um, and again, we're about to launch all the new cat, all the categories, oh, yes. and everything I know everyone's in a couple so of excited weeks. about that. Yeah, and we have some great new categories, so we're excited about it. We've had over a million entries in five years. Um, last year, we had over three hundred thousand entries. Again, from eighty countries around the world, and that's honestly how I spot talent. Right. So people, I think, are shocked to know that I literally stopped doing what I'm doing for two months. And I literally look at pictures. pictures so you pictures, are pictures. actually seriously involved in this process then? Oh, more than any other thing that we do at Behind the Chair. The whole team knows that, like, for example, all of February, I'm almost home all of February to plan so many. And we have an am- amazing team at Behind the Chair. Who yes. We have an amazing group of senior managers. They really, as a, as an effect, they run their departments. They run this company. But um, And all of February is actually meant for trying to plan as much as we can for the, the entire year since I actually leave on Wednesday and don't come back again until February, but most of the month I'm home. And then they know that in April and May, like I'm, you can't schedule anything for me because, um, other than our tours and so forth, because we really, Kevin Schmegs and I are really, and I've got a group of eight people that literally stop what they're doing in other departments. And when we start getting down to that top 100 in each one of the categories, mm. um, they're sitting with us full time and that's day and night um, on our, from our editorial team, from our social team and from our, our art department um, working with us on, on which images ultimately. And once we decide what those 25 are, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a crazy thing, but that's how I spot talent. I mean, the majority of the talent that I spot has happens then or it's also then sent to me so like we have our influencer team so our influencer team will say if I say you know we need uh two balayasras to take the stage on such and such a show give me who you guys think is ready to go and who's already doing classes etc so when I'm first looking for talent is the hair like are they doing great hair is it a category like like natural texture is the big new category that yes. I'm going to be looking for and that I'm going to be really putting a lot of my personal focus onto who not only is doing beautiful hair, but who can teach, who is teaching on stage, who is teachable, who's trainable. Um, and, and so it first starts with the hair and the category that we're looking to build. And then the second thing is it's, it, it, it's about their heart. I mean, and I know that sounds a little crazy, but it's not, it's not crazy. I've built people who literally have had the biggest egos and then I've built people who have stayed humble through the whole time. And one of the challenges with helping to build people, um, and I always say, you build yourself. Like if I spot talent, you know, you're going to do the hard work. We're going to help elevate you and we're going to help that trajectory of growth for sure. But you're going to do the hard work that's going to be about, you know, doing great work, doing videos, you know, um, we're going to help you with stage training and things like that. But it's always going to be the hair first. Then it's going to be your personality and your attitude. And oh, yes, to you me, did a- a lovely post the other day and it was basically about you know the person who speaks to the waiter who speaks to the doorman who doesn't say hello who and that when those egos get in and they start throwing that ego around it's the most horrendous awful thing to watch anyway but of course sometimes success does go to people's heads but it's very lonely on the way down 
you know, I, I, you know, there's a two thoughts I have around that is there's many, many, but, um, one of the posts that I did last year, and it was just like this one sort of moment I was thinking about it is, you know, don't believe what people say about you good or bad, mm. because if you believe what they say about you bad, you know, you're going to stop your dream before it's happened. Yeah. And meaning that, you know, if you keep listening to, cause I always say who's voice is loudest in your head and it needs to be your own. And it's two reasons. Number one, if you listen to what the people say, Oh, you can't do that. You're not good enough. It's too big of a risk, whatever. Like you don't know my heart. So you don't know what I'm capable of, et cetera. Even if my, you're on my family, you know, beware the saboteur of dreams cloaked as a friendly advisor, beware of the people around you who say you can't do it. But it's also not just about who say it's your family sometimes that are afraid for your risks that you're willing to take, but also don't believe the people don't believe your own press. Don't believe the people that tell you that you're so great. Because the thing is, is that your, your ego is going to grab a hold of that and you're going to stop learning. You're going to stop growing and you're going to stop being kind to people. Yeah. And I think that when success goes to other people's when success goes to your head and I, I can't predict it. I, you know, people always say, how do you predict? Like, how do you determine who you're going to attempt to take all the way as in who you're going to put on stage, who you're going to put on that big stage at the BTC show, which everybody wants to be on. I can't predict who's going to turn into an egomaniac. I really no. can't. I've had it both ways where people have grown really fast and some of them are not on our stages anymore because they've, they've, you know, it's all about them and that's not the way that we work at Behind the Chair. And some of them will be on my stage forever because they're all about truly um, being team players yes. and about helping others and they're, being, they're kind and they're humble. And yeah. that's going to keep you, that's not just good people, it's good business for me. Because I know that they're going to keep doing what they've always done to help other people get to where other people need to be. And the more you help other people, the more you're going to grow. And staying humble is just good for you anyway, full stop. You know, it's just good for the soul. And just be uh, thankful for thankful for what you've got and hope for a little bit more. You know, there's nothing wrong with a hope. A thousand percent. And uh, that's why I say, you know, people, everybody treats me well, but I'm paying attention to how they treat all the people yes. around me or other people that I watch them. I'm always like so shocked when somebody's like kissing my ass and then, you know, we're at a, we're at a dinner or something and they treat the server with such disrespect or they treat just other people that aren't wearing the same brands at a party, you know, or the right brands with disrespect. Yeah. And I, those are the ones I actually go up to. Those are the ones that I think God gave me this, maybe this like little, you know, by being so bullied when I was young, um, I feel like I'm like that dog that can hear that sound and I can spot the people in the room who need that attention and that feel that maybe they don't deserve to be there or, you know, people aren't paying attention to them. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the people that I put the majority of my attention on um, in every, everywhere we go because I, I want them to know that everybody's deserving of their dream. Everyone is deserving, and everyone's deserving of some kindness, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, Constantly. Here's a non-hair question for you, but it's still about Instagram. What accounts do you follow that you love that aren't about hair? Um, let's see. The ones that I follow the most that um, – um, God, like, God, I'm going to have to get – like everything I do is like on hair, I feel hair. like. Um, I follow one to... called Colour Palette Cinema – which is all about, it shows you a shot of a film and then it shows you all the colours that went into it to set the mood. So it sort of oh. takes me in a colour direction, but it's not about hair. It's quite interesting. And then another one, I follow that celeb face, which shows you all the, the filters and the, the oh, face yeah. tuning and the body tuning. 
I think, you know, for me, I follow a lot of the big photographers. I yeah. follow, I don't really follow magazines and I don't follow a celebrity at all. I've got plenty of young women that know the celebrity scene. Um, I wouldn't even dream of like suggesting who the biggest celebrities are. I think that's one of the things that's really important if you're older and you're not, and you're also running a business is you, you know, you have to um, almost reverse mentor and you've got to really pay attention to your young yes. millennials and pay attention to who they know are the hottest. And you don't even, I don't even have to worry about who those people are. I pay attention to, um, a lot of, uh, the top photographers in the world. I pay attention to, um, a lot of the, um, the editorial and, um, uh, fashion week, um, hairdressers. Um, and for me, I, I think I put a lot of focus on, um, trying to see where I think hair is going. Um, not commercially necessarily because commercial hair guides us more than we guide it. I feel like in some ways, although we, uh, there's no question that we start trends all the time, but I am paying attention to, um, balance. I'm constantly paying attention to light and shadows and balance. Um, and I'm always watching, um, how photographers are shooting their work. So it's, and I think that that for me that's like one of the biggest ones. But well, it's it's art, isn't it? Sort of art forms. It's, yeah, and I love going going to different yeah art exhibits. Tonight I'm going to the uh, Andy Warhol exhibit. I'm here at the Art Institute. Um, and you know, I, I guess for me it's it's really more about art than it is about um, celebrity and some of the other things. Brilliant. Just to keep that palette like moving in my mind. Cool. That's good to know. It's good to know that you do something else besides hair all the Not time. Not much. Not much. No, I think that's the case for a lot of us. The future. What's the future for Behind the Chair? So um, we have some huge things happening this year. We have a, a major, major um, innovation and a huge surprise. The biggest thing that we'll have done uh, since the launch of Behind the Chair will take place this year at the BTC show. Right. Um, so you're you're the first to know that, believe oh. it or not. Wow. Um. So we're launching something huge uh, that um, that everybody will be able to be involved in, which is really exciting. Um, we're doing our uh, 20th anniversary tour this year. Uh, just a big thank you. So where's Behind the Chair going? I think that you're going to see us. Uh, continue to really um, uh, escalate into the space of um, of online education. I think you'll see us really round that out. We have uh, a major event happening um, in March, which is called Social Climbing. And uh, originally we were going to make it um, an in-person show, but we decided because there was such great interest in the show that we're actually doing the first ever digital show with different sets um, different, uh, um, uh, people that will be on, um, different panels and it will all be shot at the BTC house in LA. Um, and so anyone, it's a two day show that will be a digital show all about how to build yourself on Instagram. So oh, the whole thing cool. is about how to build on Instagram. Um, and we're pre-recording parts of the things like how to create videos, how to do photo shoots for yourself, how to create better hair. And some of those will be pre-recorded for obvious reasons because we want to make it as tight as possible. Mm. Um, and then how to do presentation training skills. Um, so day one is all about, I'm a novice on, you know, I'm an uh, um, Instagram virgin. I have less than 5,000 followers and all the things I need to know. And then day two will be a little bit more um, how to take great pictures, you know, 90 minute segments. Uh, things like that on how to take great pictures, how to do great video. 
Behind the Chair, though, I think um, as a whole, because yes, we have a major innovation coming out in August. It will be developed before that, but it will be launched at the show. But I think for us, you know, um, it, there, there used to be this saying, like in Japan, you know, that we're going to plan our company for seventy-five years, and you know, I'm going to plan, I'm going to plan my work and then work my plan. Um, today, we live in a what-if society. Well, if this happens, I'm going to do this. If this happens, I'm going to do this. If this happens, I'm going to do this. I think that um, none of us know what's going to happen with Instagram. All of a sudden, we see TikTok coming. Yes, I was going to ask um, you about TikTok. Yep, we're playing with TikTok right now. We actually have me too. Yeah, we have five. Um, uh, uh, new uh, young team members that we've just hired that have just started with us. Um, and we have, we have a lot of hiring that we've been doing and that we'll continue to do this year. And so we're, I always sort of live in this, you know, ready, shoot, aim mentality. So get ready. Then we're going to shoot at lots of things. And then we're going to go back and aim at the ones that we think make sense for us. Right. So we do, we have a lot of opportunity and we'll continue to figure out where that opportunity is for us. It's always been about, you know, educating and trying to make every hairdresser's life better, no matter what level she or he are at, or no matter how much money they're making, no matter how much time they're dedicating to being a hairdresser, we want to help them. And that's going to take different, um, it's going to take, uh, you know, it's, 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 I guess the way we look at it is that's our, our mantra. That's what we, what we want to do. So we've taken this vertical market and we've gone very horizontal in it. So whatever we can do to help a hairdresser, we're going to continue to do that. But that's also predicated based on how popular Instagram continues to be. What's happening with Facebook? What's happening with our website? And I think all of us want to, you know, we're back to building our email lists again, right? Because we can control that. I think we all have to be conscious of the fact that Instagram is free, And so when it doesn't belong to you, you have the potential of losing it. Yes. And so you leverage it as much as you can, but you build a business behind it to make sure that if it does go away, if Facebook does go away, if any of TikTok does go away, that you still have a true brand underneath of it, that you've built something that's sustainable. And we certainly not only know how to do it, we did it 10 years before any of that existed. Mm. And I think we're going back to think about what if these things didn't exist? And, and in that case, how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect hairdressers? You know, how, what happens if they can't find us on Instagram? What happens if they can't find us on Facebook? You know, when Katrina happened, you know, 14, 15 years ago, Hurricane Katrina, nobody was on, nobody was digital then. Nobody had barely email addresses. We had an email address. Um, and so when everybody was losing their staff, they didn't know whether they were alive or dead, literally at that time, when the flood happened and so many people were missing, nobody knew who to contact. And they contacted behind the chair and behind the chair, like literally shut down for several weeks, helping hairdressers find other hairdressers because the only way that they could find each other was through us. Can you imagine not having Instagram, not having Facebook, and you're looking for loved ones and you don't know who to contact. You have no way to reach them. There's no phone number because the phones were all down. There was no way literally to reach them. So we have to, in our minds, go back and think, What day is that going to look like where we struggle to reach each other again if for whatever reason what we just started on, you know, goes away and we're not paying attention? So I think we always have to pay attention. So it's about not limiting yourself to one platform. It's about always staying in touch with your community, which is a really good 
a good message for all hairdressers anyway. Don't just rely on one thing. Make sure that you are connected to your audience in many different ways. Absolutely. I really wanted to say what an amazing chat I've had with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time out. It means the world to me to sit here and chat to you. So thank you very much for that, Mary. So so I just want to say congratulations to you um, because you really have innovated in the UK and I think that you've been able to see things coming and I would just say to you for you know all the people that you maybe have struggled with I know I see it in Australia as well where some of the great hairdressers that are on Instagram really struggle sometimes in the communities where they're at and the one thing that I would say to you is you know his vision is seeing what other people don't see but Mm. it's often not celebrated until everyone else sees it it. and I think yes and I think that people are really realizing what an incredible um, not only what an incredible educator you are but they finally are really realizing how Instagram can change their business and how it can really build their, um, not only build their business, but I think that you're building the confidence of so many hairdressers, not only in the UK, but around the world. And I think that when you step out and you do hard things, you give other people permission to do the same. So I just want to say congratulations to you and all your hard work and, you know, for really um, taking some risks that most people are unwilling to take. And when you take those big risks, um, they generally will pay off. Well, something happens when you take those big risks, doesn't it? It does. It does. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcast from. iTunes is my favorite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor.com. Thank you.